Welcome to We Grow podcast number three on influence and persuasion. This is Greg Henriquez from WeGrowCoaching.com and today I want to talk to you about the six principles of influence and persuasion defined by Robert Cialdini. If you haven't read his book, I highly recommend you to, to, to go through that book. This is where I learned all the techniques that I'm going to talk to you about today. So, before I get into the first principle, uh, generally speaking, influence and persuasion techniques are putting into a subconscious uh, program that is within every human being. In order to go through our day, we have to find shortcuts on how we make decisions. According to a study from the Society of Neuroscience, we make about 35,000 decisions a day. Things like where do I sit, what do I eat, and so on and so forth. So in order to get through the, the day, we have to make decisions very, very quickly with no effort at all. We could take all the time to do it consciously, but you can imagine how, how an, a nightmare uh, the day would be. So, we have developed over time automatic processes to make our choices in life. And the six principles uh, that I'm going to present you now are the core of what drives our decisions and how we say yes to things. If you think about it, humans respond to triggers in order to make their decisions and, and use these shortcuts, as I said. This saves us time and energy, and this is what we need to get through the day. It's mechanical, yeah? It's something you do without thinking. So an, exp an example would be expensive means good. A general accepted belief. Not that everybody necessarily thinks so, but my point is a majority of people would consider that something expensive means it's something of a higher quality. It's just an example, but I'm going to get you through the six principles now, and I will give you even more examples as I go through them. So let's get started. The first principle is the principle of reciprocity. The rule of reciprocity says that we must repay what another person has provided to us first. We feel a very, very strong commitment to repay what uh, we've got. And very often, we tend to repay in an even higher return than what we got in the first place. An example would be in fundraising. You get a much more successful fundraising initiative if you give the persons a gift first. This is also why in marketing a very commonly used technique is free samples. The three factors to make reciprocity more effective are First, to offer something first, as I said. So always think in a situation, in an interaction with someone you want to influence, what can I give? The second trigger is offer something exclusive. Make it very special and meaningful. And the third is personalize the offer. Make sure that people know it comes from you and that it was especially for them. So this is the first principle, reciprocity. The second principle is consistency. 
Once we've made a choice or taken a stand, we will stick to it. We will encounter personal and interpersonal pressures to behave consistently with that commitment. Basically, once you've expressed an opinion or made a decision, you want to justify your earlier decisions by taking actions aligned with what you said. It is about protecting your self-image and you want to take action that reflect your level of integrity. Examples in sales are um, techniques called foot in the door technique where salesmen will ask you to make very small commitments first and then expect you to go for a larger type of commitment. And it can be things like service where they simply ask you, do you, you, do you support the environment protection uh, initiative that is going on in, in, in your area and you would say yes and then the next thing would be would you be ready to put a sticker on your front door and, and that's a tiny commitment so you may say yes and then the next thing might be do you want to put a, a huge banner in your garden and you're more likely to say yes just because you had signed the survey before and you've put the sticker remember those are automated programs that run subconsciously and that we don't even realize exist. Another good example here is testimonials that we often now receive every time uh, you get an opportunity to share your feedback after um, having experienced a stay in a hotel or in a restaurant or if you remember what Kellogg's was doing asking consumers to get involved in the brand and share their view on why they like the product. These are all examples of consistency. Voting on websites is another. Anything where literally you're spending time and efforts to express why you like something. To leverage this principle, start small, small commitments first, encourage public commitments. The more public, the more powerful. And finally, reward your customers for the time they spent. So this is consistency, the second principle. The third one is social proof. One means to find out what is correct by finding out what others think is correct. So basically, we will look at what others do and it will give us an indication as to what seems to be right. As a simple example, uh, I'm thinking about uh, the bartenders who tend to fill in the jars of their tip before the night starts. That's a good example of social proof. Another exciting one that I heard about is uh, happening in Brazil where H&M are now putting the number of likes per item directly on the hanger in the store. Of course it doesn't attract the customers who want to be special but again you're tying into this principle of social proof as a indicator of what seems to be right based on the number of people who do it. The particular triggers for this principle are the quantity of other people, so the more people of course the more relevant and also social proof is especially valid in situations of uncertainty and ambiguity. In a case of an emergency for example 
people will very likely follow the troops and the, the main core of, of people around them in, in how to respond to the situation. So now, moving on, the fourth principle is liking. This is a very obvious one, yeah? We prefer to say yes to someone we know and like. Um, the factors to leverage liking are the following. First, similarity is very important. We like people similar to us. This is why in sales or anytime you want to build rapport and influence someone, it is very powerful to find points of similarity. And it can be things as coming from the same city, having the same passion, doing the same sport, or anything like this. So really finding similarities with other people. The second trigger is compliments. We can have lots of debates about compliments. At the core unconscious level, compliments tend to have a powerful effect in liking. The worst about that is they, they work compliments, even if they are not necessarily true. Yeah, people still tend to have a, a preference to, to hear good things about them. And of course, you know, I'm encouraging you to use this in, in, a, in a very correct and respectful manner. Uh, integrity is, is mostly important here. Finally, the other point of uh, leverage in liking is collaboration and teamwork. So a very powerful way for building rapport, say you have a new team, is to actually have several individuals endeavor an effort or a task together. The fact of working together with other people on a common task and goal tends to build tremendous rapport and will trigger some liking. The fifth principle is authority. We follow the expert. We tend to respond with a high degree of compliance to any form of, of authority. So what are the triggers in terms of authority? The first is any, anything as a symbol regarding the title, for example, doctors. The second would be closing, for example, policemen. And the third would be any type of accessories or how Cialdini calls it, trappings. Things like jewelry, expensive cars, badges, or any type of accessory that would reflect a significantly higher level of authority. As an example, I was thinking about it before the podcast, and I actually think that the Trip Advisor sticker is now becoming almost overrated, but yet still is a very example of authority. Yeah? We will choose a restaurant uh, that just simply shows up with a, a sticker on the door saying Trip Advisor. If you think about it, it actually taps into authority as being recognized by a, a trusted form of judgment, for some, some people at least. But also it taps into social proof, yeah, because we can go on the internet and recognize that many other people have been in that restaurant before us. This was authority. Now, moving on to the last principle, which is scarcity. We assume that things that are difficult to obtain are usually better than those that are easily available. Examples would be the typical limited edition signs that you see on some sales offers, you know, anything that counts down the number of tickets that are being sold or the amount of time left before you can purchase. Uh, I'm thinking about Ryanair when I go on the website in Ryanair and it tells me that X number of tickets have already been sold 
and there are wide number of people actually currently looking at the very same sales uh, as me. You know, in terms of triggers, the limited number or the limited time are both very powerful. Between the two, competition will tend to have a higher amount of influence power or in the area of scarcity, which means that limited number is more powerful if you compare it with limited time, simply because you're competing directly with other individuals rather than competing with time. So this is scarcity. So if I recall, we had first reciprocity, second consistency, third social proof, fourth liking, fifth authority, and sixth scarcity. Those are the six principles of influence that are at an unconscious level triggering automatic behaviors and automatic decision-make processes according to Robert Cialdini. As I said, his book Influence, the Psychology of Influence, is a very deep illustration of all those principles with lots of examples. I haven't given you many of the facts and the numbers behind those principles. I wanted this podcast to be short, concise, and give you the value of what you can do today to influence better the people around you, whether it's at work or in your relationships or in life in general. In conclusion, I would say that these principles, remember, bypass our rational mind, and this is a fact. It is important to be aware of those, those principles, I believe, because then it enables you in some situations to say no and to stay in control. It also allows you to influence and persuade other people. So obviously it is extremely important that you do this with a high level of integrity and a high level of respect, as I previously said during this podcast. If you want to know more about influence and persuasion, like I said, I highly recommend the book from Robert Cialdini, Influence the, the Psychology of Persuasion. Otherwise, for the people who are UK-based, uh, you could uh, look into Steve Martin, who uh, he works as part of um, a company called Influence at Work. I personally had the privilege to work directly with him and attend his one-week workshop on Influence at Work, and he presented at one of our We Grow events in December 2014, uh, where we received uh, very high and positive feedback around the value of his presentation and content. And he recently wrote a book called The Small Big, which uh, I recommend as well. I think that's it for today. Uh, I thank you very much for your attention and for keeping up with the Regrow podcast. I encourage you to check our new website called wegrowcoaching.com. Uh, check our meetup website and you will see that we have many, many good things to come, whether it's in business, helping you how to, to grow your businesses, how to be more successful in your relationships, how to influence people, how to be very clear on your goals, with your values, and how to make progress in life in general. See you soon, hear you soon, and thank you for your feedback. This was Greg Henriquez on WeGrowCoaching.com.